want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning. We always come to we always come to the house of God expecting the Holy Spirit to do something for us, or we should come expecting the Holy Spirit to do something for us. No man or no, there's not a man or a woman that can do anything to change our life, but the Spirit of God can change our life in a moment. Amen. And so, no matter who's holding the microphone, we trust that the Holy Spirit knows what we have need of this morning, and so we trust Him this morning to speak a word into our hearts. And I, I want to talk to you this morning. Um, about something that I feel like uh, is, is extremely important during this season. And in case you haven't noticed it yet, in case you haven't been living and breathing, we live in a very negative world right now. This world is eat up with negativity. No matter where you turn or what you look at or what you listen to or what you read, it's always pointed at what's not right, at what's wrong. We are inundated with negative words and negative images and, and negative emotion. Uh, if you're on social media, it's full of negative posts. Uh, if you listen to our politicians, they're talking about what's not right and what's not happening. Does anybody, can I get a witness in here this morning? Has anybody experienced any negativity around you recently? Well, the thing about this negativity is there's such a tidal wave of negativity in our culture and in our society and in our world today. The thing about it as believers many times is we get caught up in the, in the very thing that's around us. And, and many times what we know we shouldn't be participating in or we know we shouldn't be living by, we find ourselves, that stuff can just creep up on us. Do you know what I'm talking about? That negativity will find its way into our lives because our eyes are on it, because our ears are in tune to it, and because we're around it, it's like we're marinating in negativity. And how many of you know negativity is the opposite of faith? Negativity, when it finds a place in our life, it will begin to rob us of the very things that God wants us to have. Negativity will steal our faith. Negativity will steal our joy. Negativity will steal our happiness. Negativity will steal and rob the breakthrough that God has for us because we begin to think like and, and talk like and act like uh, the voice of negativity. But I want to talk to us today about the fact that God wants to begin to break that off of our life. God, we may not even realize it sometimes, but sometimes we we begin to sink into that and we begin to parrot the things that we're hearing around us. We begin to think like the world around us. And before we know it, instead of saying the things that God says and, and, and meditating on what the word says, we find ourselves in the other lane. But how many of you know God wants to break that off of our life? We may, we may know the truth, but if we don't operate in the truth, how many of you know the truth can't operate through us? We can have keys, but if we don't use those keys, those doors won't open for us. And I believe that even for the church, it has been an onslaught. We, as, as uh, Jerry was saying earlier, we're in the last days. There has been an expedited attack from the forces of darkness in our world. And, and those forces of darkness want to keep us from, from what God has for us as his sons and daughters. But I, w I would say, I think prophetically over us this morning, that God wants to break some things over our life. And he wants to break through. And when it's the darkest, we should shine the brightest. And when it's the most negative in this world, we have the answer. We have the truth. And what should be 
coming out of our mouth should be flowing from that well of living water that is deep on the inside of us. And so if you, like me, have sensed in your own life over the past weeks and months that creep of negativity in in your life, what it's there to do is it's there to not only rob us of what God has for us, it's there to rob God of what he wants to do through us. And I say that God wants us to escape from the net of negativity. There's a scripture in Psalms that says that my soul escaped like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. Do you know what a snare is? A snare is a trap that's hidden. It's set. It's it's there to catch something without them knowing that they have even been caught. And many times the enemy is successful in deceiving us and he baits us and he pulls us in. And before we know it, we're saying things we shouldn't be saying. We're thinking things we shouldn't be thinking. And it's robbing us of the very ammunition that God has given us to live the overcoming life. We're to be filled with the spirit of God and we're to be filled with the words of God. And we're, we, we, we should be a, a river that's overflowing the people around us. The scripture says that we're salt and we're light. And when, when people come around us, our conversation should be different than the people that are around us. The scripture says wide is the way, right, that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Most of the people we're going to encounter and be around in life um, are not going to be like us or they shouldn't be like us, right? We want that to change. But we shouldn't be saying and we shouldn't be thinking and we shouldn't be pursuing the same thing that everybody else in this world is pursuing and saying and thinking. Amen. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. And the enemy would like to snare us by the words that we say. And the enemy would like to snare us by the things that we concentrate on and the things that we look at. But God wants to set us free. And if there's been a cloud of negativity, of darkness, of heaviness, of oppression hanging over your life, over your marriage, over your family, over your workplace, how many of you know that God has given us the resources and he's given us the power to see breakthrough in that in our lives so that we don't have to live under that cloud? Now, I can't remember it. If you're an old timer, there was a cartoon. Was it uh, was it in Charlie Brown? Um, Was it? uh, I can't remember, but there was one character everywhere he went, there was like a cloud over his head and it rained on him all the time. Who was that? Who was it? Linus? Well, I know he carried a blanket all the time, but we don't want to be those people that have a cloud over our head all the time. We want to reject what the enemy has to say and we want to embrace what God has to say. Anybody in here have flower beds or you raise a garden or you've ever tried to uh, raise something like that? You know, or even grass in your yard, you know that uh, you don't have to do anything for weeds to come up. Weeds just show up. But we have to work and we have to be intentional to produce anything that's of value in life. And if we're going to have in life what God intends for us to have, have you heard people say, well, well, if it's God's will, it'll come to pass. How many of you know that's not scriptural? It's not scriptural. Jesus said, pray kingdom of God come and will of God be done. How many of you know he's, the scripture says he's looking for someone who will stand in the gap and make sure that heaven is open and it can come to earth. And so if we want the things of God in our life and we want victory in our life and we want health and protection and the good things that God has set aside for us, he's looking for a people who can cooperate with him. Can you say amen? So this morning, my topic is pivot.
to praise. Pivot to praise. I don't know if any of you played any basketball or not. I tried to uh, many, many years ago. Hayden, Hayden, I got to hang out with him and coach him a little bit in high school. But uh, many, many years ago, I played basketball. And, and something that I learned in basketball all those many years ago is that oftentimes where you're trying to go, the goal that you're trying to make is going to be impeded by something that comes between you and that goal. And as you've got the ball and you're heading towards the hoop and you're dribbling and you're going fast and trying to get down the lane, oftentimes there's going to be something that steps in your way. How many of you experienced that in life? When God's promised you something and you're going after something in life and you found it in his word and you're pursuing it with all of your heart, you find that there are obstacles that show up along the way. And we have a choice in that moment, just like that basketball player that's heading towards the rim. When he comes down that lane and that big six foot six center steps in front of him right there, they taught us a move and that move's called a pivot move. What we have to know is when we come there and we see that obstacle, we don't have to stop. We don't have to believe that it's over. We don't have to believe that we, there's no way to get there. What you do is you take and you plant that foot and you pivot the other way because how many of you know there's another way that we can go? And in in this life, what God wants us to do is he wants us to be a people that know how to pivot from the circumstances of this world. He wants us to be a people that know how to pivot from what it is the enemy has to say and what this world has to say. And he wants us to be a people that know how to pivot to praise. Can I get amen? David wrote in Psalms 92, it is good. Everybody say good. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning and your faithfulness in the evening. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. Does anybody say this morning that God has done something good for you in your life? I sing for joy. I give thanks because of what you have done. Done. What David is doing right here is he's not saying that all my circumstances around me are perfect and not everything in my life is going according to plan. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to plant my foot and I'm going to pivot from negativity and I'm going to pivot from the obstacles that the enemy's placed in my way. And I'm going to pivot to something that I know will begin to turn my situation around and I'm going to pivot to praise and to thanksgiving. And what David is saying here is, God, you have done so many good things for me. You know, we used to sit down at the table. Everybody would sit down at the table. And before we would have a meal, what would we would what would we do there? What do we do there? Different people. We pray, but we used to call it. We would we would give thanks. We would give thanks. How many of you know that we have so much in life to be thankful for? But somehow the enemy is so um, he's so good at getting us to take our eyes off of what we do have and look at everything that we don't have. When you look at the social media stream every, and you're looking at every other family and you're looking at every other person and you're looking at their life, you're looking at what they have. And we, we I throw myself in there, we're looking at what they have and we're looking at what we don't have. But God wants us to be a people that pivot away from that type of mentality. And we begin to look and we begin to say what David said. God, you have done so many 
wonderful things for me. Even if God didn't do another thing for us between now and the time we departed this earth, because he sent his only son to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to forgive us of our sins, to pay for a debt for us that we cannot pay, to go to hell in our place and to secure a home for us eternally with our loving heavenly father. If he didn't do another thing for us and he just left us alone to live out our remaining days on this earth, we still have so much to be thankful for. We don't have have time to say thank you enough. But the bottom line is God doesn't leave us. He saves us and he is with us and he walks with us. And we need to be a people that put thanksgiving in our mouth and put praise upon our lips because it guards our heart and it, and it pivots us from uh, the negative into what God has for us. God wants us to have an attitude of gratitude. Everybody say attitude of gratitude. Mary said... In Luke 146, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she said, my soul magnifies or praises or gives gives thanks to the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. My soul magnifies the Lord. We don't want to be people who magnify the problem. We want to be people that magnify the problem solver. Every day of our life, we have the opportunity to do what Mary's doing right here. What are we going to magnify? Are we magnifying the lack? Are we magnifying the sickness? Are we magnifying how bad it is in this country? Are we magnifying the loss? Are we magnifying the doom and the gloom? Or are we like Mary saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies him because he has done great things for me. How many of you would agree with me this morning in saying that It's good to give thanks to the Lord. It's good to give thanks to the Lord for what he has done. It's good. You know, we don't come into this world being a people that know how to be thankful. If you've ever had a two-year-old, can I hear an amen? Right? You don't have to tell them, stop saying thank you so much. What we do is we say, do you like that? Say thank you, right? Tell your brother thank you. Tell your grandma thank you. Tell your mom thank you for cooking for you, right? We have to be trained in gratitude. We have to be trained in becoming thankful. But being thankful and saying thank you even to God for the things that he he has done, I would say for us as believers should be very basic. It should be foundational for our lives. And if the enemy has got us off track and our heart is filled with ingratitude and it's not filled with thanksgiving, then we need to get back on track and begin to say thank you to God. But I would just say that in our day-to-day life, that saying thanks to God and giving God thanks is really what we would call around our place just good manners, right? If you're at the table and someone puts something in front of you and blesses you, it's just good manners to say thank you. I want to talk for the balance of my time this morning about another aspect of Thanksgiving, a higher level of Thanksgiving, a deeper revelation of what it means to be thankful, a higher level. In first, this first Thessalonians five eighteen, the scripture says in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The ESV says, give thanks in all circumstances. You may be here today in a very difficult season in your life. 
It might be a season of great battle. And you might have obstacles on every side. It might be a heavy time for you. It may be a dark time financially or in your family or maybe with your health. Or maybe you're just fighting in in your soul. You're fighting back oppression or depression. But what I want to tell you this morning is this. is No matter how dark a season we may be in in our life, the scripture tells us that we can still be thankful. Paul writes to the Thessalonians here an amazing verse. There's so much in this one sentence that we need to be able to get a hold of. What he says is, in everything. Everybody repeat after me. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Well, you don't know what I'm in right now. You don't know the debt that I'm in. You don't know the marital difficulty that I'm in. No, but God does. And what he said before we ever got in that predicament was he said, I'm going to tell you what my will is for you today. So many times in my own life, I've been asking God, God, I just wished I knew what your will was for me right now. Anybody ever been there in your life? God, I just wished I knew what your will was. Well, right here in first Thessalonians, Paul tells us what God's will is in everything. He says in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So you may not know what way to go and you may not know how to handle what you're walking through right now, but God has given us a key right here that if we will take it, it will begin to supernaturally unlock some things in our life. He says in everything, give thanks. Now, what he's not saying here is that we have to give thanks for everything. I don't have to give thanks for the cancer. I don't have to give thanks for the marital difficulties. I don't have to give thanks for the lost job, but in it, you better believe it in the midst of it. I can begin to give thanks because what it does is it begins to elevate my faith and it begins to elevate my heart and it begins to position me so that God's will can be done in my life. Can you say amen? In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You may say, well, why does God ask me to give thanks in every circumstance, in all things? We've got to let that settle over us. No matter what's going on in our life, what What God tells us his will is for our life is to give thanks in the middle of that thing. Why would God ask me to do that? I would say God would ask me to do that because he knows more than me. Brother White, can you say amen to that? Scripture tells us in Isaiah that his thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways are above our ways. And many times God tells us what we need to do, even though we may not understand why he's asking us to do it. And we really need to become those types of people that trust him enough that says, God, whatever it is that you tell me to do, I believe in you and I trust you and I'm going to follow you because you're a good shepherd. And I believe that you lead me into green pastures and you lead me beside the still waters. And even though I may not understand why you're asking me to give thanks in the middle of this, God, I'm going to choose to do it because I know your thoughts are above my thoughts. But in this, in the verse, in, in the, uh, in verse 13 of first Corinthians chapter 10, I want to give you what God says about our situation. The scripture says that God is faithful who will not allow us to be tested or tried beyond what we are able to handle. Can you say amen to that? But with that trial or with that testing or with that temptation, he will also make the way of escape. The NLT says that God will also make the way out. 
that we will be able to bear it or to go through it. That word escape there in the original language means the exodus. Do you remember when the children of Israel were in bondage and they had no way out of Egypt? God sent deliverance in the form of a man named Moses. And he led them on an exodus, which was a way out of bondage. It was a way out of a situation that they couldn't get out of. And what the scripture is telling us here is that God will be faithful to us. And if we will do what he is telling us to do, that he's already at work in every situation we're in or will ever come into creating for us a way out, creating for us an exodus, creating for us a path through the Red Sea, creating for us a way of escape. And so what I would say is when Paul writes in Thessalonians that in everything, give thanks. If we will begin to give God thanks in it, then God is going to bring us out of it. There is a way out the way of escape and the way of escape is not in grumbling. It's not in complaining. It's not in fear. It's not in doubt or self pity. Although the Although those things are very natural and they're what come to us naturally. How many of you know that we're not called to walk naturally? We're called to walk a supernatural life. The way out is praise and thanksgiving. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How many of you find that sometimes in the midst of very difficult circumstances that to give praise or to give thanksgiving to God is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice for our flesh. Our flesh don't feel like it. It's a sacrifice for our emotions and for our feelings many times. But the scripture says that we're to give a sacrifice to God of praise and thanksgiving, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. And praise and thanksgiving in our situation or in our dilemma or in in our circumstance is the way out of our situation, circumstance, or dilemma. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You know, before Jesus went back to heaven, he was talking to his followers. And what he said to, this, what said to them was, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. How many of you know that that in, in that transitionary period there, Jesus took authority that he had and he took uh, keys that he had and he placed them in his followers' hands. Are you a follower of Jesus? He placed them in his disciples' hands. He placed them in our hands. And what he said was, I give you, everybody say me, the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And what Jesus was saying was, there's some things that I'm giving you. There's some keys that I'm giving you and they're now in your pocket. And if there's a door that you come up to that you can't get through, if there's an obstacle that's in your way that you can't get around, I'm giving you the key to open the door so that you can go through the other side. So many times we're waiting on God when God is really waiting on us. We're wanting God to do something for us that he's asked us to do and he's told us to do. He said, whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. And what he said was in everything, if you will give thanks, this is 
my will. It is a key that I've given you. Thanksgiving is a supernatural strategy of spiritual warfare that if we will begin to move into praise, if we'll begin to pivot to praise and thanksgiving and away from darkness and away from the enemy and away from negativity and away from what our flesh says and away from what everybody else says, if we'll pivot and begin to give thanks, how many of you know that God is building a way out? He's building a way of escape. And you may say this, I don't see how, how God's going to do it with just that. Just me giving thanks. Well, how many of you know, we don't have to understand it. We just have to take that key out of our pocket and we have to put it in the door and we have to turn it. And if we will do our part, how many of you know that God will do his part? I believe today that God wants to establish within our heart that he's called us to be a people of praise and thanksgiving. This world needs to hear how good God is. This world needs to see in our lives when things aren't going the way that we would want them to go, that we still have a mouth that gives praise to the one who saved our soul and the one in whom we trust. If we will begin to give thanks today, it will begin to open the doors of God's power in our life. It will begin to open the doors of God's breakthrough and his promises in our life. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes in our remaining time about three places or three seasons of life that we may go through that we need to operate the key of thanksgiving and praise in our life. And if we will, we'll see a turnaround that if we will give thanks in our circumstance that God will make a way out. So the first place I want to talk to you about is um, in our mess. Give thanks. Everybody say mess in our mess. We're going to talk about three places in that we're in that we want to get out of in our mess. Give thanks. Thanks. Does, has anybody ever been in a mess in your life? Do I need to define what a mess is? We can just pass the microphone around, let everybody uh, share with us what your mess looks like. We've all been in messes. The Webster's define mess as an unpleasant, a difficult, and an often embarrassing situation. Have you ever had one of those in your life? You didn't want people to see your mess, right? Uh, parents, you know what it's like to go and open the bedroom door to one of the kids, and it's a mess in there. Sometimes the, that's the way it is in our life. And the thing about messes are many times the messes in our life are there because of things that we've done. Choices that we have made, decisions that we have made in our own life to create a mess in our own life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody besides me ever created a mess? You're a spirit filled believer and you go to church and read your Bible and have your devotional time and you still made some stupid choices. Made some dumb decisions, stepped right in the middle of um, and created a mess for yourself and the people around you. Am I in good company this morning? Well, the thing that I want you to know is even if you're in a mess this morning, it's a good place to give thanks. Because when we can't fix or clean up our own mess, the good news is God can deal with our mess this morning. Do you remember a man by the name of uh, Jonah? Jonah was a prophet of God. He loved God. He, he lived his life for God. But in Jonah chapter 1, I know that you know the story. I'm just going to read a couple of verses for you. God had a call upon his life and he asked him to do something specifically. He asked him to go to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh. But I don't know if, if Jonah was just having a bad day or a bad week or if there was something there. I don't know. But he made some choices and he made some decisions that created a mess in his life. 
that he didn't want to have. The scripture says Jonah rose to flee in the other direction away from the presence of the Lord. And when we choose not to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives, how many of you know many times it creates a mess? When we choose not to follow God's voice and obey what God has to say, it doesn't mean he loves us any less or he's mad at us or he's angry at us. But how many of you know we can create a mess in our life? And the thing about messes are this. I'm a church kid. I'm a PK. I'm a pastor's kid. And I've been in church all my life. And one of the narratives of the enemy in our lives is this, is that when we make a mess then God expects us to clean up our mess. You ever heard that in your own own heart? Your heart condemns you. You know you did this to yourself. You know you got yourself into this, and you're going to have to get yourself out. Does anybody know what that feels like? Let me, let me read from Jonah. It says, Jonah went to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went from the presence of the Lord. That's never a good decision in our life. But we all do it at times from the presence of the Lord. The scripture says, but the Lord sent a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was likely to be broken. Listen to what uh, Jonah said in verse 12 of chapter one. He told the people on the boat, he said, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. For I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. It's all my fault. So many times the enemy comes to us and he's so good at, at playing the prosecutor in our lives. And he and he's there. The scripture says he's the accuser of the brethren. And he stands there and he says to us, this is your fault. If you wouldn't have done what you've done, if you wouldn't have said what you said, if you wouldn't have made the choices that you made, things wouldn't be the mess that they are today. And the enemy tries to convince us that even though. Uh, we're in a mess that it was our fault. And so many times we feel the guilt of being able to clean it up ourselves. How many of you know the good news is, even if we can't clean it up, God will clean it up for us. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, the scripture says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Even before Jonah made any kind of move, the scripture says that God was already making a way of escape. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that God already knows what we're going to do before we ever do it? But he's for us and he is on our side. And the scripture says that even when Jonah was in the middle of his mess, that God had began to prepare a great fish to swallow Jonah up. Now, the fish came and it swallowed Jonah up and he was in the fish for three days and three nights. And in Jonah 2, 5, the scripture says, uh, this was Jonah speaking. He said, I sank beneath the waves and death was very near. He said, the waters closed in around me and seaweed wrapped itself around my head. Now, this was a pretty big mess. He was in the belly of a whale. And, and you know, we do this a lot of times with the, the Bible stories, right? We already know how it's going to end. So many times we fast forward to the end. But Jonah didn't know how this thing was going to end. He was in a mess. And he was in a mess of his own making. But even in the mess of his own making, God was, as Hebrews says, creating for him a way out of that mess. And I want you to hear that this morning. No matter what the enemy is trying to tell you this morning about the mess that you may find your life in, maybe the mess that your family's in, maybe you look around you and you see 
a history of wrong choices and bad decisions that have led to a monumental mess. Jonah was in a monumental mess and he couldn't fix it. He couldn't, he couldn't turn it around. But he had a father in heaven who loved him, who saw where he was at, knew the mistakes that he had made, the choices that he had made. But yet he was already building for him his salvation and for his redemption. So this morning, I want you to know that God loves you and he is for you. And no matter what kind of a mess that you've got yourself into, God is preparing a way of escape. All he needs is our cooperation. Look what Jonah did. Chapter, chapter 2, verse 7, it said, When my soul fainted within me, he was at, he was at, the, he was at death's door. He said, I remembered the Lord. Everybody say, remembers. One of the most powerful things that God tells us to do throughout his word is to remember. It's to remember. It's to think about what he's done. If he did it before, how many of you know he can do it again? If he did it for you, how many of you know he'll do it for me because he's no respecter of persons? When he was at his last breath, when he was just about to be suffocated by the mess that he was in, when all hope was virtually gone and lost, the scripture says that Jonah remembered the Lord. And my prayer, he says, went up to you into your holy temple. Verse 9, he said, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving and I will pay what I have vowed because salvation is of the Lord in the well, in the seaweed, in the middle of his mess, Jonah that Jonah had created for himself. Jonah found his voice of thanksgiving. And I don't know what that voice was saying, but it probably sounded something like this. God, I thank you that you're a merciful God. God, I thank you that you are compassionate. God, I thank you that you're a redeemer and that you can redeem my life from destruction. God, I thank you that you're faithful even when I'm faithless, God. God, I thank you that even when I sin, that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I don't know what kind of mess you're in this morning, but what you need to do is like Jonah is you need to remember the one who loves you and the one who's for you and the one that's on your side and the one that's able to clean up the mess that I have made and that you have made and the way that it can begin to turn around as Jonah did he found his voice of thanksgiving and he began to operate this in the supernatural power of thanksgiving and began to lift his voice to God the scripture says in Jonah 2:10 then I mean no that's a big word Some of us are waiting on some thens in our life. The scripture says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit up Jonah on the beach. And it did. When? In his mess. In his mess. In it, he raised his voice of thanksgiving. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit him up. And the scripture says, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. How many of you know that if we will do what God says, if we will step into his perfect will, if we will pivot to praise and thanksgiving in our life, it will unleash the supernatural power of God to open doors to fix messes that we could never fix. Can you say amen? Secondly, real quickly, not only in our mess do we need to give thanks, but in our midnight, give thanks. I'd say a midnight place is a very different place than a messy place. 
A messy place, as we already talked about, is a place that many times we know we created. A midnight place is a dark place, and it's a hard place, and we don't really understand why it's dark and it's hard. Have you ever been there in your life? Doing everything that you know to do. You're staying between the lines, right? You're fasting and praying. You're attending church. I mean, you're doing all of those things. There's no significant thing that you can see in your life that's out of line. You're doing everything that you can to follow the will of God. And then you still find yourself in a midnight place. A midnight place is a very dark place. And it's a hard place. And many times we don't understand why we're in that place. But if you remember... Um, Paul and Silas, they found themselves in a midnight hour, in a midnight place in their life. And what had they been doing? Everything God had asked them to do. They were in a hard place because they were following God and they were obeying God. And when God would say, go to this city, they would go to that city. And when he would say, lay hands on this one, they would lay hands on that one. And they found themselves in a city being followed by a young girl. who The scripture says that she was a fortune teller. Or she was possessed of the devil. But they eventually laid hands on her and delivered her. And out of that miracle, out of that deliverance, the, the, the men that, that, uh, that owned her got very angry. Anyway, Paul and Silas, you know the story. They got thrown into jail. They were in a dungeon and they were in chains and they were in, in the inner prison. They were in a midnight hour in their lives. And, and what, I, what we have to remember is even when we don't, we don't understand what's going on, God knows what's going on. That's why Paul told us in every circumstance to give thanks in everything, whether it's a mess of our own making or it's a midnight hour. And we don't understand why we're there that in the midst of it, the way out is in it to give thanks. The scripture says in Acts sixteen twenty three that when they had laid many stripes on Paul and Silas, they were thrown into prison and he put them in the inner prison and he fastened their feet in the stocks. They were in a hard place, a hurtful place, an unreasonable place, a difficult place, and seemingly an impossible place with seemingly no way out. Now, we know, again, how this story turns out, but Paul and Silas in that moment did not know how it was going to turn out. To them, it seemed like there was going to be no way out, but in their darkest hour, with no understanding as to why they were there, they thought they had been doing everything just right. And maybe that's where you're at in your life. And what the enemy does in, in our midnight hour is he comes in and he tries to get us to begin to doubt God's goodness. He gets us to try to begin to, to, come, uh, to doubt that we can trust God and that we can put our faith in God and that God is going to be faithful. Because if I'm doing all the things that I know to do, why would God allow this to happen to me? How many of you know that that's not a good thought to settle in on? It's not a thought that we can build our life on. We can't sit around and begin to question God. Now, God's not afraid of our questions. But what we have to do is we have to pivot away from those thoughts. And we have to pivot to a praise. And we have to begin to lift up a voice of thanksgiving. In their darkest hour, how many of you know that Paul and Silas... In their midnight, they chose to begin to find their voice of thanksgiving. The scripture says, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises. That word praises in the original language is hymns. They began to sing praises, sing praises or hymns unto God and the other prisoners heard them. That word praises 
is hymns, but it's not just any hymns. I grew up in the uh, church where there were hymnals in the back of the pews. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Those pews weren't very comfortable. There were hymnals there and they were full of hymns. But when it says here that Paul and Silas at midnight began to lift up hymns to God, it's referring to some specific hymns. It's referring to what's called the Pascal Psalms out of the book of Psalms. These were hymns that David wrote. And these were Psalms of thanksgiving. Psalms 113 through 118 and Psalms 136. These are all Pascal Psalms or hymns of thanksgiving. And it says there in Acts that they began to sing these Psalms of thanksgiving. They knew that in their midnight hour that if they would pivot to thanksgiving and they would pivot to praise and they would begin to lift their voice that they would unleash the power of God. They were singing these psalms. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endures forever. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy Mercy endures forever in everybody say in in their midnight, Paul and Silas began to voice their thanksgiving and their praise to God. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your deliverance. Thank you, Lord, for your love. They begin to lift up their voices in thanksgiving. Scripture says in Jeremiah 33, 11, the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord saying, give thanks to the Lord almighty for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. It says here, I will restore the fortunes of their land and I will cause the captives of that land to return as the first says the Lord. How many of you know that a voice of thanksgiving releases restoration? The voice of thanksgiving releases deliverance and salvation into my situation. Acts 16, 26 says, suddenly, this is another then moment, right? Just like Jonah had a thin, then moment because it was in his mess. Paul and Silas had a then moment because in their midnight, the scripture says, suddenly there was a great earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The voice of thanksgiving unlocked the door to their dilemma. Everybody with me this morning? Pivot to praise. I don't know what you're going through. I'll ask the praise team to come on back up here. I'm going to get ready to close in just a minute. I don't know what you're going through, but the enemy wants us to be caught up, I would say, in a net of negativity. Analyzing, looking at what we don't have thinking about uh, what can't happen or what hasn't happened or, or I don't have enough or I don't see how this could ever turn around. This is a very simple message this morning, but we have to step into a new level and understand that, yes, we got to be a people that give thanks for what God has done. But he's also told us that he's given us a key to our breakthrough, and that's to give him thanks in whatever we're going through. In our mess, in our midnight, or lastly, I would like to say, give thanks in our miracle. In our miracle. Anybody remember the story in the New Testament about how Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem and on his way, he, he kind of took a detour and went through the land of Samaria. 
And Jews and Samaritans at the time were uh, uh, prejudiced against each other. They didn't like each other. Um, they weren't for each other. But Jesus is for everybody. Can you say amen? Jesus made a detour, but it wasn't a detour. It was an on-purpose turn because he knew that there was some people there that needed his help. You guys can go ahead and play. And who he found there while he was traveling through Samaria was he found uh, ten lepers. And if you know anything about leprosy, leprosy is at that time an incurable disease. And it was a, a horrible disease to have because you were unclean, right? And you were unclean, and that meant according to the Mosaic law that you couldn't come near anyone. You had to stay away from everybody. So not only was your physical body being destroyed by the leprosy, um, your soul was being destroyed because you were isolated from people. And whenever they came near anyone accidentally or got near anyone, they had to, they had to holler out, unclean, unclean. I hate the devil, don't you? But Jesus knew these guys and he knew that they were in trouble. And scripture said as he was passing through, he came in their proximity and they began to cry out and ask Jesus to, to cleanse them. And so Jesus looked at them and he spoke words of life to them and he told them to go and show themselves to the priest. And as they turned and they began to obey what Jesus said, they just simply began to do they didn't see the results of it. Jesus said, go. And the scripture tells us that as they went, it says that they were cleansed of their leprosy. The leprosy began to leave their body and they were healed. And I'm sure that was an amazing, miraculous moment because I'm sure they'd never seen that happen before. But the scripture says, let me read it to you. I can tell you the story. Let me read this one scripture to you. It says, Luke 17, 15 says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and began to praise God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. And the scripture says he was a Samaritan. So in the middle of his miracle, he gave thanks. This wasn't a mess. This wasn't a midnight. This was a glorious moment. It was a miraculous moment. Not just in the bad times, not just in the dark times, not just in the messy times, but even in the good times. Paul told us to give thanks in every circumstance. And it will unleash supernatural power into my life. It'll unleash the goodness of God. It'll open doors in my life that weren't going to be opened any other way. And in Luke 17, verse 17, the scripture says, Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this one? Look at this verse. Verse 19. And Jesus said unto him, Arise and go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. Everybody say whole. That word there, whole, in the Greek is the word sozo. It means every whit complete. 
every whit whole, spirit, soul, and body. See, the lepers were cleansed physically by their request, but this man was made whole through his thanksgiving. He got way more than the other nine got because they were all cleansed physically. But when he came back and he began in the midst of his miracle to give thanks, he was sozoed, the scripture says. He was made whole. Just think about this. One of the things about leprosy is leprosy eats away at your flesh. You lose fingers and toes and even as it progresses, hands and parts of your body. Even though he had been cleansed of leprosy, the scripture says when he came back and began to give praise to God, he was made whole. Can you see in that moment, hands begin to develop, fingers begin to come out. Not only was he no longer sick, now he was made whole. Scripture says he was made whole body, soul, and spirit. How many of you know that God has said that in no matter what our circumstance is, no matter where we find ourselves today, that cloud, that heaviness, that oppression that would try to narrate our life to tell us how it's not going to happen and how it's not going to turn around and how we've been down this road before and you know how it's going to turn out. If we will begin to plant our feet and we'll begin to pivot away from that and we'll begin to say, just close your eyes right here. Just lift your hands right there where you're at in your seat. Maybe, maybe just stand up on your feet. I feel prophetically this morning that God is wanting to break clouds off of people's lives. It's like when I saw that at the beginning of the service, I haven't thought about that forever. I felt like the Lord was showing me. It's like there's a dark cloud that's over uh, some individuals' heads, over your, and you just feel like everywhere you go and everything that you do, and no matter how hard you try, it's raining on your parade. It's just you've fought and you've continued to come to church and you've done the things that you know to do, but it just seems like midnight to you. Your mess doesn't seem to be getting cleaned up. Things don't seem to be turning around. And you just just like Jonah, you feel like you maybe are at your last. The seaweed is around your head. Or like Paul and Silas, it's so dark you can't see the hand in front of your face. But you just know that you're bound and you know that you're in a place and you just are ready to come out. I believe the word of the Lord over your life today is pivot to praise. Pivot to praise. Put it back on God. Remember Jehoshaphat? Remember the, uh, the Israelite army? Remember they were surrounded on all sides. And, the, and, and Jehoshaphat went to the Lord and he said, Oh Lord, we don't know what to do. This army is too great for us. We don't have a plan. We don't have a strategy, God. We don't, we don't know how to get out. But this one thing we do, our eyes are on you. And he began to appoint people within the army to be those that would go out on the front lines. And they begin to lift praise and they begin to lift thanksgiving. And as they begin to lift up the praises of God, as the high praises of God was in their mouth, the scripture said, and a two-edged sword was in their hand. That was a supernatural sword of the spirit. The scripture says then that the enemy began to be uh, slaughtered because God sent ambushments against the enemy. So this morning, I believe that if you will be one that will pivot to praise this morning, no matter what you feel, no matter what it looks like, no matter how long it's been, if you 
you will take the key of thanksgiving and praise and you will insert it into that door that's in front of you and you leave the rest up to God and you begin to lift up your voice. Find your voice of thanksgiving. Find your voice of praise. Find your voice of thanksgiving and find your voice of praise. I promise you God's already at work making a way out. In your circumstance, God is making a way out. And the way we're going to close this service this morning is... Everybody look at me for just a second. I don't know if you have a pocket, but pretend with me. Reach down in your pocket. Get your key. Don't you hate it when you lose your keys? Aren't you glad you found your keys this morning? There's some keys that God wants us to take with us out of this room today. Next week can look different than last week if we'll obey God. Next week week will be different than last week if we'll use our keys. Let's just lift up our hands before the Lord. And the way we're going to close this thing out this morning is our praise team is going to take us back into that song. And when you sing this song this time, we're going to pray. We're going to sing. I think I, I thank God. I thank God. I, I thank the master. I thank the savior. I thank God. But when you sing it this time, sing it with purpose. When you sing it this time, sing it with faith. When you sing it this time, sing it against that obstacle that's in your way. Sing it against what the enemy's tried to keep over your life. And let's sing and let's praise and let's find our voice of thanksgiving. And as we do, let's see the supernatural power of God come to work on our behalf in Jesus' name.
Change my name.